Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. Love your neighbor. It doesn't get any simpler than this, does it? But we know that it doesn't get any more challenging than this either. Live in relationship with God and live in relationship with the people around us. As Jesus delivers this simple answer to the question of the lawyer who is trying to trap him, Jesus is teaching us what it means to be the people of God. He provides us with our vision, with our vocation, with our identity. Jesus tells us how to live our inner life in relationship with God. He tells us how to be church community by loving one another as God loves us. And he tells us how to engage with this world in which we live. Love God. Love your neighbor. On these two commandments hang all the prophets and the law. The law. The Jewish scholars of the day counted 613 commandments. 613 commandments. Some of them were commands like love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. Others were commandments about how to prepare food and how to approach God in the temple and how to build your houses safely. As Jesus is asked this question, which command is the most important, it wasn't an idle question and it wasn't a friendly question. It was a question designed to get Jesus into trouble. By this point in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus has a huge crowd of followers. He's already proceeded into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. Palm Sundays happened. The palm branches were laid out and people cheered him as the king of the Jews. He had his disciples who had followed him round the countryside, learning from his teachings and seeing his miracles. But as well as collecting followers and admirers, Jesus had also collected his fair share of opponents, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Herodians, three groups who agree on nothing except the need to get rid of Jesus. And so right through chapter 22 of Matthew, they take it in turns trying to get him in trouble. Jesus began by teaching in parables about how these groups were being left out of the kingdom. He'd overturned tables in the temple. And then the Pharisees, Sadducees and Herodians began trying to trap him. There was the question that was reflected on last week about whether we should pay tax to Caesar. There's a series of questions about the resurrection and more questions about the scripture. And so as the question about which commandment is most important was asked, the lawyer is waiting, like a snake, ready to criticize and critique whatever answer Jesus offers. Remember, there's 613 of the laws of these commandments. So whichever one he picked, there were 612 angles from which he could be critiqued from. Jesus' answer was to quote the Shema, was to quote that prayer that was said at least daily by Jewish people of the time. From Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. 
and you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your might. In offering this answer, Jesus shows that he's a faithful Jewish man. He shows that God is right at the heart of of the Jewish life and right at the heart of the law. And he shows that our life as humanity is directed towards God. But he doesn't stop with this law. He partners Deuteronomy 6.4 with a commandment from Leviticus 19, that you should love your neighbour as yourself. Jesus says you should live in relationship with God, the vertical parts of life. And you should live in relationship with others, the horizontal parts of life. With this answer, Jesus shows that he's not questioning or changing or throwing away the teachings of Scripture. He's not trying to do away with Judaism. His answer is a correct answer for those people who are listening. No one can really argue with this because it's obvious right through these teachings that we're called to love God and love our neighbour. But Jesus is doing more than offering a clever answer. He's teaching us about how we understand the law and how we understand life. Because life is never simple. And the answers to the questions that we face in life are never as simple as an inspirational quote. The way that God works in our lives is mysterious, sometimes hard to follow, and generally impossible to predict. And living as God's people is not easy because it's not always clear what we're meant to do in each situation. Sometimes trying to work out what the next step is and how to be faithful in our own unique time and circumstances can be a bit like trying to unravel a bundle of wool that has got tangled up. No matter which piece of the wool you pick up, as you pull on it, it creates knots somewhere else. All too often, when we're faced with complex challenges and difficult questions, we want to grab a strand of the wool and pull on it to find a solution, but we create a knot further down the line. And the church in today's world faces these sorts of questions. Some of them seem simple. How do we deal with a leaking roof? How do we earthquake strengthen the foyer? But, before, but as you start working on them, you realise that these questions are actually quite a bit more complex than that. How much will it cost? Do we need building consent? Do we need to talk to Heritage New Zealand about this? How will we get into our building on a Sunday morning? How will we carry the offering forward? Who will give out the notices at the door? What will the procession look like? Each little question that we look at has a hundred or so other questions lying underneath it. And these aren't even questions about being the church. These are just questions about our buildings. When we start asking questions about engaging with the community and about developing a missional life, we end up with even more questions, more knots, and more complicated challenges to face. But be assured that it's not new for God's people to have questions like this before us. The Pharisees who approached Jesus with these questions were facing 
similar, but different, but similar challenges to what God's people have always faced. They were wondering and exploring, how does God work in this world? How do they be faithful to God's teachings? And what does the future look like for God's people? With the answer that Jesus offered, love God and love your neighbour, Jesus reveals what was going on in the Pharisees' approach as they sought to answer these questions. Sometimes we give the Pharisees a really bad rap and the scriptures don't always present them in the most favourable light. They are often portrayed as enemies of Jesus, as hypocritical, small-minded people. But it's helpful to take a bigger view of the Pharisees so that we can understand more of what Jesus is saying here. The Pharisees were a large and popular group in the time of Jesus. First and foremost, these Pharisees, all Pharisees, were motivated by a deep, deep desire to see God's kingdom come. They had a deep, passionate knowledge of the scripture and the law, and they believed that the kingdom would finally come when Israel fulfilled the law. This is why they were so dedicated to following all of the teachings of the law. In all areas of their life, they did their very, very best to follow all 613 commandments of the law and the interpretations of those laws because they wanted to see God's future arriving. They wanted God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. So when Jesus answers their question by saying, love God, love your neighbour, he isn't just showing that he knows the scripture well. He's actually turning their understanding of the law upside down. Because the, law the lawyer and the Pharisees are operating with a rules-based understanding of the world and a rules-based understanding of the law. They saw the law as a series of commandments that all needed to be followed, each commandment kind of hanging from its own hook, from the, from the instruction in Scripture, each commandment, all of them needing to be completely followed. Jesus, though, suggests that the law is about something different. It isn't about the independent commands, each hanging from their own hook. As important as each of those commands is, and remember that Jesus said that not a letter or a stroke will pass from the law. The law isn't about the independent commands. As a whole, it's actually about how we live as God's people. Everything isn't hanging from its own peg. Rather, all of the law and all of the teachings of the Bible are suspended from the instruction and the imperative to love God and love God neighbour. The law isn't something we should despise or hate. We know that life isn't simple and that faith isn't black and white. Most of the questions we face in our faith, how much money should we give? Should I forgive that person who's offended me? What's God calling us to do with our lives? These questions are complex questions that don't lend themselves to black and white answers. These questions are impacted by any number of things. The mistake that the lawyer made 
And the mistake that the Pharisees made was believing that the 613 commands of the law were going to provide the answers to every question that they face. In Jesus, we see a different way of living. A way of living which Jesus says in Matthew 5 that doesn't abolish the law but fulfills the law. It isn't a black and white box ticking exercise where we make sure that every independent command is followed to its fullness. Instead, it's a way of life that is lived and filled and characterized by a self-giving love. Jesus' answer, love God and love your neighbor, is why Jesus can reach out and touch the skin of one of his neighbors who has leprosy even though this broke more than one of the 613 commands. Loving God and loving neighbor provides us with a guide and a way of understanding how we are supposed to be in the world. It's a way of living in relationship, not in obedience to a law, but in loving relationship with a God and with the people around us. It's a way of thinking, a way of praying, and a way of living through the questions and challenges that we face. Loving God and loving neighbour doesn't necessarily make the world an easier place to live. It doesn't make the challenges we face any simpler, and it doesn't make life a cakewalk. In some ways, it's a really hard command. In some ways, it's harder than following all 613 of those commandments. But as Christians... We're called to live this way and called to live in the world where we're called to praise and worship our God and to love our neighbour. We're called to live with faith. And the gift of faith helps us see beyond the black and white ways of looking at things. It helps us see beyond binary questions and helps us see a bigger picture. We're an imperative to love trumps everything else. Obedience to the way of God and loving God and loving neighbour doesn't remove us from the world or the challenges in the world. Instead, it calls us to be more fully engaged, to be fully connected and engaged in what's going on around us. There's no question that there is a connection between faith and how we live in this world. That's why Jesus says, love God, and love your neighbour. It's why Jesus reaches out and heals lepers. It's why Jesus went into the temple and turned over the tables. It's why, historically, the church has been one of the strongest advocates for social justice. It's why we have a plaque on the wall over there commemorating Rutherford Waddell's sermon on the sin of cheapness. It's why this church has been a place where settlers from Scotland and from Samoa and from the Cook Islands have gathered together to worship God and love the communities that they are a part of. It's why the church seeks to care for creation. It's why we engage as people and as communities in the political processes in the world. Loving God, loving neighbour, it's not something we aspire to. It's who we are. It's who God's people have always been. 
It's how we live in the world. We live in the world. We show compassion. We show kindness. We engage and strive for justice. And we work and we live lives filled with love as part of our faith. So friends, may you love God. May you be drawn deeper into God's love. Be drawn nearer to God and grow in your understanding of God's ways. May you love your neighbour. May you see each person through the lens of faith. See every person you engage with, every person you encounter as one of these precious children that God loves. May you love as you follow in the ways of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's sing together. Will you come and follow me?